Life Management Science Labs would like to acknowledge that we live and produce this podcast on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. We'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands of our listeners and our international colleagues. We'd like to pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. We are champions of life management science, providing structured insights informed by science and inspired by practice on key aspects of conscious living. Each week, we bring you scientific and practical insights on each element with the expert knowledge of professionals in the field. I'm your host, Lungo, coming to your ears from NARM, Melbourne, Australia. Let's learn together. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Doing Well. And on this week's episode, we are going to talk about harnessing physical activity to achieve emotional wellness. And today in our virtual studio, I have Dr. Melissa Green with us to talk about this particular topic. And she has a very interesting background, and especially recently more into the yoga space, which I'm very passionate about as well. So I'm keen to talk to her about it very soon. Um, So By way of introduction, Dr. Melissa Ann Green has worked in the mental health field for 25 years, providing psychological services to children, adolescents, and adults. She is now pivoting to use her mental health and yoga training to help people thrive in their workplaces. And so today, obviously, we are going to talk about um, physical activity and emotional wellness in general, but I wouldn't be surprised if we touch on, you know, the workplace a little bit and how that can impact us in the workplace. So I'm sure it will be an interesting and engaging conversation. But first of all, welcome to the show, Melissa. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing well. That's really good. That's exactly the name of this, uh, the show, you know. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, so that's really good. Um, I think, you know, it's um, it's fun to talk about physical activities all the time. And we talk about it pretty much every other episode on, on this show because well-being has such a big component of physical well-being, right? So we talk about that um, a lot. But I wonder why this topic for you in particular, because I know that especially because you got into, you know, yoga teacher training recently, um, there must be a certain reason why you got uh, passionate about this area. There is. So I am a psychologist by training and I did a lot of work with um, Marines who had deployed um, uh, to combat zones. And when I was working with them, I found that the traditional talk therapy was not so helpful initially for many of them. And um, there was a yoga teacher who came to the base and the clinic that I worked on. And um, I worked set in with her because she was working with the patients that I was seeing. And I started to see the benefits uh, of yoga and helping them to learn how to manage their anxiety and to feel like um, they had a little bit more control over uh, the symptoms just by using the deep breathing exercises as well. And, you know, from that point on, I said, okay, one day I'm going to really learn a lot more about it. So I would incorporate bits and pieces into the work that I was doing, but it, it took me about 10 years to actually do the official yoga teacher training. And and that's really what inspired me was seeing the benefits that um, the patients that I was working with received from just you know a class that was maybe only about six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, isn't that interesting? You know, you learn from your patients, right? That, that is right. wonderful to hear. Yeah. Because a lot of the time it's kind of... Um, very classic, uh, you know, example of, you know, the, the actual psychologist or whoever is giving the advice, um, they are the ones that have gone through these things and then they recommend it. But then in your case, you kind of, you kind of learn from your own patients, which is a really interesting cycle of learning. So that's good to hear. Um, and how's yoga teacher training? I know that a lot of people have done it. I, I got intrigued, um, but I'm not sure how it actually works in reality. So it was actually very Intense. <laughs> well, intense for me because I wasn't expecting it to be so in depth. You know, usually, you know, if you have not spent a lot of time studying yoga, you just think of the physical aspect of yoga. But um, it there there's a, it's a science, and there are a lot of different limbs of yoga that also look at your lifestyle and the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. 
not just what you do when you're on the mat and in the classroom. And so my program actually, I started in um, January of 2020. So that was another interesting thing um, that it was interrupted by the COVID-19 vaccine. And so we met every other weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And it was, I believe, probably eight hours Saturday and Sunday and three or four hours on Friday. And we went through uh, the different uh, limbs of yoga. We, we went through the philosophy and history of yoga. We obviously did um, the yoga practice, uh, the asana. And um, it, it was amazing to learn so much, um, but it was interrupted. I think it was at the end of March. And so we took a break and then we resumed uh, towards the beginning of June, I believe, and then completed sometime in June. So um, mm. it was a lot lot more involved than, than I anticipated. And I'm really uh, thankful to have had that opportunity to, to learn a lot more about it. Yeah. Well, beautiful. I really love yoga. I do it, you know, every week. I don't, I don't know about the principles like you were saying, but I got really intrigued because recently I took up yin yoga. And for the first time I was kind of like, oh, so it's pretty much like an hour of stretching. But then in that hour of stretching, um, I think it's like a combination of stretching and that meditation. I don't know. It's just, it really helped um, the emotional wellness um, aspect of my well-being, which we're going to talk about today. Uh, so we'll talk about yoga in a little more detail later on as well. I think it's a fascinating topic for me. I'm not sure about our, our audience. Uh, some people might <laughs> probably be a little bit concerned about the number of times we mentioned yoga in this podcast, but that's okay because that's your expertise area. So we'll talk about it. Um, but before we get into the topic of emotional wellness and physical activity, Let's get to know you a bit better through some of your recommendations. This part is called, Have You Met Melissa? I love this part because I get to know the guest better and get a lot of new recommendations to add to my list. First question, what is a book you would recommend? So this is a book that I actually read a couple of years ago, and then I recently started rereading it. It's called The Humming Effect, and it's basically about sound, sound therapy and sound healing. Um, so in learning about uh, yoga and meditation, I also you know, learned a little bit about, uh, you know, how sound can affect emotional wellness. And from there, I started to you know, explore a little bit more. And earlier this year, I actually attended a conference where the author of the book was there. So it made me want to re read it again, right? Because he did a presentation. Um, so it's very fascinating to me how uh, vocal sounds that you can make can help to restore, you know, certain parts of the body and the cells and um, how you can you know, evoke healing just by making sound or by listening to sound. Wow, that's fascinating. Actually, like coming right back to yoga, I remember um, every time I go to Hatha Yoga on Sunday, the teacher would end the class with a single arm. And I I enjoy that. I, I join in. I don't just receive. But I wonder what that actually means, if you know what it is. I'm sure you do. Well, I, I don't remember specifically, but I know that there are certain sounds that uh, resonate with the different uh, chakras throughout mm. the body that help to to balance uh, any areas that may may not be balanced, and um, I think OM is supposed to be that universal sound that um, that helps to bring that balance and healing throughout throughout the body. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, because I do feel better after that. But um, because you said your yoga has a lot of science behind it, plus the book you just recommended is about sound and vocal um, healing. That's quite fascinating to me because I don't think I have ever thought about the effect of sound, the sounds that we make, you know, so this this is really good. Good recommendation. Thank you. Uh, what about a movie you would recommend? So in thinking about the things that we're going to talk about today, the movie that comes to mind is a movie called Happy. It's an it's an older movie. I think it came out around 
2011 or 2012. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's based on uh, the principles of positive psychology, which look at um, emotional well-being and the things that make people happy. And they kind of go through some of the myths of things that most people think will will make people happy and um, talk about you know how those things usually don't have long lasting effects like like more money and more material things. And they go to different parts of the world and show people who maybe don't have all of the the same resources that you know, maybe we have here, I'm in the U.S., in this country, um, but but their happiness level is a lot higher because of the relationships and things like that, that they value more. Yeah, that's really nice to hear. I don't, I don't think I've heard about that movie before. So, yeah, definitely will put that on my list. Um, and it's quite in alignment with the show as well. So thank you for that. Next one is about a podcast. You are our guest, and I wonder what you actually listen to as uh, in terms of podcast. Well, honestly, I've been spending a lot of time listening to podcasts about marketing and uh. <laughs> uh, developing my practice. Um, yeah. One of my favorite uh, podcasts is actually Online Marketing Made Easy with Amy Porterfield. Um, I have, uh, one of the things that I've been working on is developing a, a digital course. And she uh, gives a lot of information about how to do that step-by-step step and uh, just step out as an entrepreneur. Uh, another podcast is On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. So yes. that's more of my like spiritual grounding podcast Um yeah, those are the two yeah. right now that I listen to more. Yeah, I kind of, uh, yeah, the first one I haven't heard about before, and that, that's interesting, but I kind of fall in and out uh, with that um, On Purpose podcast because it depends on the topics and the guest. Um, but I think the recent episode with um, Tom Holland has been really interesting for me personally. And then there's one with Lewis Hamilton as well. And I'm like, whoa, these are really cool content. So yeah, I really love that recommendation. So next question, we would love to know about a person that you kind of, you know, admire and you model yourself after or you learn from a lot. Um, so this could be your famous role model or a personal role model if you don't really uh, follow anyone um, who's actually famous. So anytime I've ever been asked that question, I feel like I could never think of a famous yes. role model right off yeah. the top of my head. But the person that always comes to mind is my father, uh, who is my my personal role model, um, because I watched him um, manage a lot with a little as far as resources. And um, I feel like he did a wonderful job and he was always supportive of me. So that he is my my personal role model. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure he'll be mm -hmm. so happy to hear this, you know, when the episode comes out. Uh, yeah. Do you oh, want to say something? I, I was going to say, well, he actually passed away at the end of April. So, um, oh, so yeah. that's quite recent. I'm sorry to yeah. hear. Oh, well, you must be still healing from it. And yeah, that must be really sad. Um, but still, you know, I hope he, he knows, you know, um, I'm sure he does. That you, yeah. you model yourself and you learn from him a lot. So that's really good to hear. Um, last question in this part. Uh, well, I know you already took yoga recently, as a yoga teacher training as a course, but I wonder if there's any other course you completed that left a really strong impact on you. I did. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I went to a conference and it was an energy psychology conference back in June. And I was exposed to... Um, a lot of new ways of healing and treatments um, that really opened my eyes. And, and it got me excited again about uh, working with clients and not um, just worrying about, you know, how I can do the mundane, well, I, I call it mundane, sometimes like the typical um, talk therapy, because oftentimes it, it 
not the first thing that people respond to. And so uh, one of the courses was about heartbreak and how to help heal heartbreak. And um, they use the uh, emotional freedom technique, EFT. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's a, it's a tapping technique that helps to uh, get your, your body realigned. Um, you're tapping meridian points, basically. Um, yeah. And there's a standard protocol that people typically follow um, just uh, for general issues that come up. But in this particular workshop, um, these presenters had developed a protocol, particularly for people that uh, who were dealing with grief and loss and heartbreak. Um, and it, it was very fascinating to me. Yeah, I've heard of the name before, but I um, didn't know much about it. Now it's, that you've talked about it, it sounds really interesting, especially when it comes to healing from heartbreak. I think a lot of our um, listeners would probably, you know, uh, get interested and curious about this because, you know, it's part of life. We all go through it. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's really good to equip ourselves with the knowledge. So thank you for that. Uh, okay, so now that we've got to know you a bit better, Melissa, let's talk about today's topic. Let's talk about physical activity and emotional wellness. Um, this show is about well-being, and we know from all the episodes so far that emotional wellness is part of well-being for sure. Um, however, well-being is so much more than that. And let's set the scene for our audience. What does well-being mean to you specifically, Melissa? So when I think about well-being, I think of a sense of wholeness and balance and being uh, fully engaged when it comes to uh, various aspects of life. So not just uh, physical health or emotional health, but uh, there's social health, spiritual health, also financial health. And I think there are other people that have added on to that list, but those are the things that um, really um, stand out to me when I think about emotional well-being. Just emotional well-being or well-being in I'm general? I'm sorry, I think about well-being in general. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. We are going to talk about emotional wellness. It's probably a bit confusing to separate the two at the moment. Uh, but yeah, I really like that uh, definition because I think um, in one of the episodes before, one of the guests also mentioned balance. And I think I also shared that, you know, balance is such an important word um, in our well-being and, and I think in our vocabulary. Um, I think at one point I also shared that, you know, we have different seasons in life, right? And sometimes the balance that we talk about um, means different things. And so I'm sure to you, it means something very different to, let's say me, like you know, my balance will be different from your balance. Um, and I think that is a beautiful thing about well-being because it's, you know, it's up to the person. Um, and that's why we have so many different definitions. But we also know that people tend to look at well-being in the wrong light. Um, not that, you know, we have uh, a right way or a wrong way of defining well-being, but essentially because of the way that well-being uh, contributes to our lives, sometimes we neglect it or we look at it in a in a way that's not beneficial for us. So what do you think are some of the biggest things that people get wrong when it comes to well-being? Well, I think sometimes people think that means being perfect all the time or having everything together, so to speak, all the time. And and, and that's not reality for any of us, right? Um, so um, I think that's one, one thing. Also, I think people often um, just focus on uh, mental or emotional well-being and physical well-being and not think about those other aspects of their, their lives that can help to make them feel fulfilled. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so true in the sense that we cannot have ups without downs, you know, and we kind of we kind of have to continue to navigate through that. And, you know, I was actually reading this book this morning. Um, it's called How to Be Your Own Therapist. And because I know you're a psychologist yourself and today's topic is about emotional wellness. One of the things that I can really relate with when it comes to your, you know, some of the misconceptions you pointed out is uh, emotions. And we'll talk about emotional wellness soon, but um, I do remember, and, and this is probably from uh, the other podcast that I'm hosting for LMSL about happiness, but we talk a lot about the fact that there's no such thing as good or bad emotions. 
It's just, you know, a signpost. And the book today that I was reading is the very beginning of the book and it was saying about the same thing. And I think that's such a good reminder because in well-being in general, and then, you know, emotion or emotional wellness uh, in specific, I think a lot of the times we value these highs and we value feeling great. You know, we value feeling amazing. And if we feel a little bit mellow, we're kind of like, oh, something is wrong. Something is wrong with me or something is wrong with the world or, you know, I should be happy. Why am I not happy and upbeat? And that's what I have been feeling personally lately as well. Like I've been a little bit more mellow than I used to be last year, maybe, um, or, you know, even just earlier this year. And I was thinking, oh, why is it this way? And, you know, look, it's so bad. Like I need to change this. But then after learning all of this um, and especially, you know, after hearing the misconceptions that you debunked, I was kind of thinking, you know what, it's fine. This is just a, a season in my life with this kind of balance. And it's probably a bit more mellow and that's okay. It'll pick up again. And, you know, like I'll have seasons where it's really upbeat and then seasons when it's really mellow. Um, the most important thing is to take care of my emotional wellness. Um, so I'm keen to hear from you because that's today's topic. How would you define emotional wellness? I think emotional wellness um, definitely includes what what you just described is having that awareness of what's going on with with your mind and your body and and your actions as well. Um, because once you have that awareness, then you can start to notice if there are any patterns of things that are happening, um, that if things are shifting in one way or the other. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to label it or judge it, but um, just noticing when there are changes can help you to notice that there are certain things that may um, uh, feed into uh, those types of changes. I'm trying not to use the word trigger because I think that's overused <laughs> right <Yeah>. now. But <laughs> essentially, that's what I'm saying. If there are, are certain places or people or activities that you're doing that may um, cause you to have that shift in one way or the other, you can start to notice if you have that awareness. It also includes uh, being able to identify what emotions that are coming up and yep. and not only identifying them, but being able to, to manage them in a healthy and adaptive way. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you, know, you can't be angry, but how do you express that? How does it manifest itself? And mm -hmm. How is that benefiting you or the situation that you're in? And so I think those are some important parts of emotional wellness. And if you think even more about you know, emotional intelligence, um, would also include you know, managing those emotions um, when you're interacting in interpersonal relationships with people so that um, you know, you're able to kind of assess the situation, what's going on, and adjust as need be when you're um, interacting with people so that you can have meaningful um, relationships and interactions and encounters with people. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Because I think, um, we know, when it comes to well-being, that, that's such an important and crucial aspect. It, it doesn't mean, you know, we kind of have to just focus on that emotional wellness, because I think at the beginning, we sort of touched on the fact that well-being is a, a very big concept. There are so many different areas. And when you mentioned the word balance, um, I got also curious about how this would affect our balance, you know, so emotional wellness is one aspect of well-being, right? And it can impact all the other aspects. How would that actually work? What's the relationship between emotional wellness and our overall well-being? Well, I think um, it's probably more of the, the foundation of how we um, deal with all of the other aspects um, because it's the our emotions are our signals or cues to let us know uh, what's to help us to gauge what's going on um, if there is. Uh, a situation that maybe is not going to be beneficial for us, um, then it helps us to make a decision about what the next step should be, which um, would involve some of those other areas of, of well-being. 
Um, also, um, when I think about emotional um, wellness, I think about being able to deal with disappointment and those types of things, um, yeah. resilience and being able to to manage those things that come up that are barriers or challenges. Yeah, definitely. I think there's always this fine balance of um, celebrating the highs and, you know, being able to manage the lows because I don't know about um, people in general, but for me personally, I feel like when something really good is happening, I enjoy it for the, I think, I think a few moments and then I will stop to think, oh wait, this is going really well. What if something goes wrong? You know? Um, and so it's being able to manage that and being able to be present with that good feeling and, and really enjoy it um, while also managing that emotional wellness um, and, you know, building, I think day-to-day -day things, activities, sort of like a strategy so that we can manage it better. Like, at least for me personally, I've noticed that um, when I exercise, I am able to deal with different kinds of emotion that come up throughout the day, uh, which is exactly today's topic, right? It's about harnessing the power of physical activity to improve our emotional wellness. And we all know that there's this relationship between being really active, you know, um, moving and you know, ensuring your body gets enough movement in a day to, you know, improve your well-being overall. But how does this particular relationship between physical activity and emotional wellness work? You know, when we exercise, when we move, how does that affect our emotional wellness? Well, movement helps to release those endorphins and other chemicals that help to improve your mood. Um, it, it also helps with uh, the the physical, the actual physical aspect of uh, well-being with uh, strength building and flexibility and, you know, those things that um, help to uh, sustain you on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, those, that actual physical activity, and it doesn't have to be anything strenuous. It could be just like stretching or taking a, a short movement break. Um, they've also seen a lot of benefits. When I say they, I mean researchers um, benefit from do, taking those short 10 to 15 minute movement breaks. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of research about the different chemicals that get released when we're you know, active and when we're doing physical activity. Doesn't have to be exercising, but I think uh, it might be a little different when you're exercising and getting your heart rate up compared to when you're probably just taking a stroll, right? Um, so I think for me, it's like, it's always hard for me to keep track of all these different chemicals. So if you have insights on them, uh, we would love to hear, hear that. Well, what I've read is that um, there is not so much of a significant difference. There may be um, you know, a little bit of a difference in like the amount, but the same chemicals are released, um, whether you're doing yoga or if you're doing, uh, more cardiovascular, uh, workouts, uh, you're still getting that benefit. Um, and I've done, uh, research particularly with the, the aging population and, and that's where I'm getting that information because, um, you know, one of the things that uh, like the Global Council on Brain Health and the AARP, which is the American Association of Retired Persons, they um, encourage people as they're aging to stay mobile and, um, you know, to still incorporate that movement because you can still get that benefit as far as the the endorphins being released. Mm. Yeah, that's really good to hear, right? Because sometimes um, I think for me as well, uh, if there's a day that I'm not able to squeeze in some time to do some cardio workout or, you know, some some sort of workouts that would get my heart rate up, I'm kind of like, oh, I did go for a long walk today, but was it enough? And I think that's just, like, you know, that's kind of defeats the purpose of exercising. Got to enjoy it and just know that it's good. Any sort of movement is good, right? And you kind of affirm that because as long as we're moving, then we'll, you know, the chemicals, the same chemicals will be released. And that's good for our, 
at least emotional wellness. Um, I think the physical benefits might vary from exercise to exercise. Um, but uh, you mentioned the, you know, the older population and, you know, they are encouraged to still obviously incorporate movement into their routine. Uh, how about the other side of the population that's, um, you know, the younger population that are never having enough time for exercises? I mean, I think now it's it's much better because there's a trend um and there's a, this movement of people going to the gym or, you know, doing physical activities or even play more, playing more sports um, together. And I think that's been really nice to see. Uh, but for those that are still struggling to find the time to incorporate physical activities into their daily lives, what would be some of the things that you would recommend in terms of strategies? Well, I think some of the things that probably most people have heard, uh, taking the stairs instead of elevators, parking further away from the places that you're going, if you're going to the store or going to school or work, that trying to find those more practical ways to incorporate movement. Um, also, I think if you really want to become uh, dedicated with your, your exercise or workout, you want to establish uh, more of a routine, a certain time of day um, that you're going to exercise, certain place? Are you going to work out at the gym? Are you going to do it at home? How many days a week are you going to do it? Um, and with some people who, um, myself included, sometimes have a hard time get, getting motivated, um, you can do something called habit stacking where you um, just incorporate small steps that actually are not even exercise into your routine where you're pairing um, something associated with working out with something that you're already doing. So maybe you just start to, to pack your gym bag and place it next to the door um, in a place where maybe you pass by frequently mm-hmm. and do that for a week. And then the next time you actually drive to the place where you're going to to work out um but just gradually building um that habit of uh getting prepared and actually physically going to a different location if you if you're going to go but i think it's really important to to have have a schedule um if you you want to develop a, a routine and a more consistent way of, of working out yeah, definitely. I think that's a really, those are some really good tips. I think habit stacking, uh, we've talked about that quite a few times. Uh, I, I think the more practical one as well, uh, you know, in our day-to-day lives, like especially the parking a bit further away, uh, I think that's that's such a good point because sometimes we're just trying to say, oh, yeah, like, let's just, you know, be really quick. Uh, maybe it's it's not supposed to be quick, you know, because if, if you don't have time to exercise, maybe you can stretch uh, that, uh, you know, hour of grocery shopping to, you know, a little bit longer so you can actually take a walk um, or, you know, the the visit uh, anywhere, you know, you can spend a bit more time walking around. I think that's what I've been um, doing as well. So I go to the gym every morning, but I still feel like I want to move a bit more because obviously it's just a class that I'm doing. Uh, so what I tried yesterday was really, it was hilarious. Uh, I was thinking maybe I can run to the gym. <laughs> it's not too far away. It's like about a 15 minute run, the 20, 25, 20 minute walk. I actually ran to the gym yesterday because I was late um, and it really helped. You know, it was I, I wasn't sprinting or anything. It was just taking a nice, like easy, slow run. It, it felt really good because by the time that I got to the gym, I was like, okay, I'm awake. And then, you know, the exercise that followed was also really good. So, you know, I think that's... That's something that we can all try, like even even doing things. Um, I think it's a good way to slow down and be more mindful because, you know, like you're kind of like planning, okay, I need to get there by this time. Instead of taking the tram, maybe I'll take a walk. Um, so I'll just be a little bit earlier so I can incorporate more, you know, physical movement into my body. I think that's, that's really good. Um, I think another thing that I, I, I heard from someone uh, was doing yoga or, or stretching in bed. This is uh, this was extremely interesting for me to hear. But then they were kind of saying, 
if you're lazy, busy, or tired, or just don't have the space, or you kind of like feeling like you want to find excuses to not doing anything in terms of physical activity, why don't you try 10 minute yoga in bed? They have those videos on YouTube. And I looked and it's actually a thing. <laughs> it's really cool. Yes. I the, Actually, the yoga teacher that I um, worked with before that I mentioned earlier that I kind of learned about more um, yoga more from, she has a YouTube channel called Yoga in Pajamas. Oh, <laughs> so, really? I don't, I haven't seen her actually do any of it in the bed, but it's really, um, you know, with that, going along with that theme of, you know, you can kind of do it anywhere, right? Um, just yeah, gradually incorporating it into, into what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that is so interesting. Yeah, cool. Thank you for that. Um, so we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the different kinds of exercises. I think you mentioned that earlier. There are so many kinds of uh, physical activities slash exercises. And, you know, the different kinds of exercises would have sort of different benefits to our holistic well-being, right? Um, so what would be some of the key differences? Because, you know, some people might do um, strength training. Some people might want to do um, flexibility exercises. Others want to do cardiovascular exercises. Um, so, what are some of the key differences between these exercises and their benefits on our well-being? I think doing uh, more cardiovascular workouts uh, definitely can help with heart health, right? Can can help in that area. Um, that, I think any kind of movement can, but but that definitely uh, is an area where you would get more more benefit. Um, and heart health is linked to to brain health, and so you get that that double benefit right from yeah. um, doing more more cardiovascular exercises. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, you also get the benefit of um, different. Uh, chemicals being released that can help to improve mood as well as far as <clears throat> excuse me um, as far as um, strength building and stretching uh, I think with stretching in particular um, there's a release of as you as you mentioned earlier there's there's a release of that tension. So um, it also helps to improve mood. So with like in your holding positions for a longer period of time, um, so they can have the same impact, but in a, in a, in a different way. Um, mm. And also that flexibility um, can help you to be able to uh, manage your, your body in other ways. Um, so if you need to do more practical things like uh, bending over to tie your shoes, things that you, we don't think about until you start to, to age, I think. Um, uh, but staying flexible can help you as you get older uh, to do some of those things that seem very simple when you're younger, um, but it can be more challenging as you get older. There's a a sit to stand test. I don't know if you've seen that, but um, there's a, a challenge that I've seen like on social media um, after I learned about it, where you um, you try to go from seat, seated to standing and standing to seated without using your hands. And, um, you know, that requires you to have some flexibility and, you know, for your your legs to be a little bit more pliable because you're moving them um, and your hips um, in ways that you you know you may not typically use them. And it's supposed to be a um, a test of uh, mortality, actually. Oh. So when if you're you know able to do that, go from sitting to standing, standing to sitting, it's supposed to be able to estimate, you know, how long you will be able to live or, you know, if, if um, you know, your life may be shortened because of that. So that flexibility is, is very important, particularly as you age. 
And then the strength building um, helps to build muscles and bones, which also becomes more more of a, a concern, I think, for people as they start to get older, because your bones get more brittle and you're more um, vulnerable to to falls and breaks and things like that. Mm. Wow. I've never heard about that challenge before. That sounds interesting. I was very tempted to just do it on the spot, but I'll do that after this podcast. <laughs> That's very interesting. I'll get everyone in the studio to try it as well. We'll see if we live long. Um, okay. That's very cool. And another aspect of, um, you know, a uh, physical health and in combination with physical activity, we also talk about sleep quite a lot. Um, Because I think this is my, actually my my personal dilemma. If I want to go to the gym in the morning, sometimes I don't have enough sleep the night before because otherwise I wouldn't make it to go to to work. And so um, sometimes I sacrifice sleep to do more exercise. And I know that there's this, you know, important relationship between physical activity and sleep because physical activity helps you sleep better. We kind of know that. Um, and then enough sleep helps you to feel better uh, overall in, in terms of your well-being. So how would you, you know, define this relationship between sleep and physical activity and how does it actually help us to, um, you know, improve our o- overall let's say emotional well-being and then overall well-being too because i think that it's this is an interesting relationship and i don't know if anyone else has this dilemma uh, but maybe in trying to squeeze in more physical activity they don't have enough sleep um, and so if that's the case what should we do so i think for some people um exercising close to the time that um it's time for them to sleep it can, actually can be disruptive to Mm. sleep because you get a little bit more energized. So um, typically when I was, I I used to teach a sleep hygiene class to the Marines that I worked with before. And we would always tell them to not exercise maybe two hours before going to bed because of that. For some people, it, it doesn't affect them in that way, but there are some people where it can make you more aroused. So it can um, have the opposite effect um, as far as uh, sleep goes. But typically uh, exercising can help you to decrease that time that it takes to fall asleep, What, which is something that we refer to as sleep onset. Uh, a lot of times when people have problems sleeping, um, they either have that sleep onset uh, problem or sleep maintenance problem where they're waking up throughout the night. And so exercising can help you to to fall asleep more quickly, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I think um, another thing that I'm curious about is, you know, you, you mentioned that, um, you know, exercising two hours before bed, because otherwise you'd probably be too energized to fall asleep. Uh, But is there an optimal time to exercise so that we can sleep better? Because for me personally, I I exercise first thing in the morning. So, you know, I I kind of wear myself out throughout the day too. um, And sometimes I still find it hard to sleep. I think that varies depending on the the person. because some people, if they work out at any point during the day, uh, yeah, they'll say, I know I'm going to sleep well tonight. Um, so it really doesn't matter what time. I think that just depends on um, the individual person and and their body and other things that they're doing. Like some mm-hmm. people may be consuming caffeine, um, but they're working out and then that can interfere. Um, another thing that working out Um, does help with is to improve sleep quality so people are more likely to get um, that more deep rest yeah definitely i think that's that's a really good point Um, caffeine you know caffeine consumption uh, because I'm, I'm sure people who are exercising early in the morning like me could resonate with the fact that we need coffee quite a bit during the day because we wake up really early. Um, yeah, I think it's just uh, be mi- being mindful 
of that, uh, you know, of the balance between uh, exercising and how much we're consuming during the day as well. Um, because if you're right, if we're exercising in the morning and then, you know, we just consume a lot of caffeine throughout the day, maybe it'll be hard to sleep at night. Maybe that's my problem. I need to manage how I'm consuming caffeine. Right. So maybe stopping it a little bit earlier in the day or limiting yeah. the, the number of cups of coffee. Yeah, that's a really good point. It'll be hard for a lot of people, but yeah, it's right. a good point. Good to good to be mindful of. Um, and uh, another thing that is sort of related to both sleep and physical activity is uh, technology. So obviously, you know, in this day and age, we talk about it all the time. You're always on your phone. You know, the last thing you see before bed is your screen. First thing you see when you wake up, your screen. And um, because we're constantly on our phone doing things, we don't have time for exercising. So there's this like big correlation between, you know, our digital age with all the technologies that we get exposed to and the level of physical activity and um, essentially our emotional wellness too, right? So, you know, in your in your work and perhaps you've even done some research into this, how has this new age of you know, technology impacted the way that we are taking care of our physical activity, physical health, and essentially our emotional wellness. So I actually think that there are pros and cons to this digital age as far as how it um, impacts our emotional wellness. I think the, well, some of the cons are um, we have everything at our fingertips now, and so we don't maybe move as much um, to do some of the things that we would have moved more to do before. So for instance, I'm like, I have a, a digital library card and I can go on my phone, on an app on my phone and download these audiobooks. Whereas, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have just walked out, driven over to the library and walked through the library to find the book. Um, same with like ordering food or clothes. All of those things are kind of right at our fingertips. So it decreases those opportunities that we have just for movement. Um, and yeah, obviously that can impact our, our health. Um, on the other end, though, I think there are more people doing um, things virtually, um, classes virtually, uh, so it makes it more accessible to people. Um, some are even free, like you could go on YouTube and do certain dance classes. Um, and so for some people, it's given them maybe an opportunity that they wouldn't have had otherwise, just say if they um, didn't have the time to leave their home and go exercise, or if they didn't have the money and they can you know, find a, a free video online that will walk them through something step by step. And it maybe even allows people to be exposed to certain types of um, exercises um, or yoga uh, that maybe they wouldn't have been exposed to otherwise. So I can see uh, both sides of it. it. It just really depends on the person, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's how we use our technology, right? Because on the one hand, it can be damaging if we don't watch what we're consuming and how much time we're spending on these devices. Because I remember there was a time before I consistently uh, go to the gym, I was actually on my phone a lot. Like just, I don't know what I did, <laughs> you know, just probably reading some random articles or watching random videos to make myself feel better when I actually could have spent that time um, maybe doing an exercise. And actually some people combine the two, you know, walking on the treadmill and watching random videos. That's That works, you know, as long as you're moving, right? Um, and then another thing is also there are so many different apps out there that help us to monitor our emotional wellness. And you can even lock both because um, I remember one of uh, my podcast guests before developed the How We Feel app and I started using it and I realized that, oh, this is quite interesting because um, when I, you know, lock my emotions and I describe what I did that day, it made a lot of sense. 
I can see that correlation between, oh, I went to the beach, I went for a, a long walk and I was feeling um, really upbeat. And then, you know, like, uh, you know, I, today was rainy, I didn't do anything and something happened. So I was kind of feeling mellow. So, you know, it's, it's really good to use these digital tools effectively because they can help us to learn more about the world and ourselves and spend our time more wisely, which is essentially going to help our physical health improve and increase physical activity and perhaps even help us to manage and track emotional wellness better. So you're so right. You know, it's, it's just how we use it. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but for me, it's like, I know all the facts. I know that it's going to be good to watch what I consume and watch how I use it. But sometimes I'm just tired and I fall out of the good habits and I start to, you know, do not so great things. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a learning curve for everyone. It'll be good for everyone, myself included, to keep that in mind every time we pick up our devices. Right. Are we going to use it for for good or <laughs> or to maybe waste time because it's easy to waste waste time with those devices yeah definitely i think in the top on the topic of physical activity though like i i really like that you know there are so many videos out there that we can watch and we can just follow along for the exercising especially during the pandemic that's what i did i did so many home workouts and they made me sweat. They made me, you know, hate the instructor, even though they were just on the screen. And I think it's 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 a really good thing. Um, and there are even Nintendo games that get you to be active. Uh, I think some people use, you know, um, Xbox 360 or um, PS5, PS4. But yeah, I, I played a Nintendo game called Ring Fit during the pandemic, and it was really fun. Um, and it, it counted like, you know, how many steps I was taking and I was finding the monster, you know. So I think these things are beneficial when we talk about the, the good side of the digital space on our physical activity, because we just need to know where to look. And I'm sure there would be many more recommendations out there. I just share some of the ones that I do know, um, but I'm sure people are very creative with this. So it's really good to hear and to know that, you know, if we use digital um, tools wisely, we can improve our physical activity and emotional wellness. Now that's, uh, you know, theoretically speaking, and we also sort of added some practical tips. Um, and on the show, normally we have this part, the next part where we talk about a practice or a habit. And normally I, I would ask my guests what they want to talk about. But for you in particular, we know that because you're a yoga teacher, it's just a given. You are going to talk about yoga. And so we would love to talk to you about yoga today as a practice um, for our audience. Maybe they've tried it before. Maybe they haven't. So what are some of the actual benefits of yoga when it comes to, you know, improving? I mean, it's increasing our physical activity for sure. But how would that then in turn improve our emotional wellness from a yoga perspective? So one of the first things that I learned when before doing my training, but when I was observing um, the patients that I was working with, is that it really helped them to uh, lower that that um, fight or flight uh, reaction, that stress reaction. Um, it helped them to feel more empowered because they were able to. To learn one certain uh, postures that help to um, trigger that, that parasympathetic nervous system so that they can relax. And they also learned about uh, breathing exercises and um, things like that. So in general, it helped them to be able to manage um, anxiety primarily, but also depression because it helped to help them to feel more empowered in being able you know, to manage the things that were going on with it. Um, so that that was uh, the biggest thing I think that that I learned initially how um, powerful uh, yoga can be with helping to manage emotional emotional wellness. You don't have to have significant symptoms of anxiety or depression, but just those uh, typical stress reactions that we all have if we're encountering something new or something that we haven't encountered in a long time and it might uh, make us feel a little bit anxious um you know, we can use and and i when i think of yoga i'm also thinking about the breathing as well we can use those those techniques and even certain postures uh 
to help us to feel more more grounded and centered. Yeah, definitely. I think for me though, like the the toughest part about yoga is the actual being present part. I'm sure people would have different challenges when it comes to yoga, and I'm sure you can share more of them with us. For me, it's so hard to clear my mind and just focus on the pose. Because there's so much stillness when you're doing yoga that the thoughts start to flood in. It's, it's very different from doing, uh, you know, 20 squats, you know, it's because it's kind of like, okay, you got to do that fast, focus on it and, you know, keep the posture. But yoga is, you, you do maintain the posture and you change from one to another. Sometimes you take flows, but I find that if I don't clear my mind, I'll fall especially with, with poses that, you know, you kind of have to use your balance. Uh, so that's my my personal challenge when it comes to yoga. What are some of the other challenges that people might have when they start practicing yoga? I think a lot of people, uh, when they think about practicing yoga, they're thinking about being able to do headstands or handstands and um, they feel intimidated by it. Um, so... You know, that could be a barrier. And if a person actually builds up the confidence to go to a class, it can also, uh, you know, be a, a challenge because they may uh, feel a little uncomfortable just trying some of the, the other poses. I know that I've um, met people say, you know, I was in the class, but I, I you know, couldn't feel comfortable because I wasn't sure if we were going to, if they were going to ask me to try to do X, Y, and Z, you know, something that they had in their mind that was what yoga is, even though it can be a lot of things. So I think people have, um, one of the biggest challenges is their, their mindset about, about what it is and what the expectation is if you're going into, into a class. Yeah, definitely. I think it's easing it, in, easing into it slowly, right? Because a lot of the times we're like, oh, I got to do a headstand straight away. Actually, like I've been practicing the crow pose for two years now. I still haven't been able to do it completely. The other day, I kind of lifted a little bit. I was excited about that. Um, but it, it takes a long time. Yeah, it, it's it's so hard. And I was like, I, I could lift, but I couldn't hold it. And the um, the, the teacher that day, she was saying a lot of this is in our head. It's not like we cannot do it. It's just mainly in our head. And I was like, huh, that is interesting. <laughs> you know, like like those movies, like just believe in it and you can do it. And I'm like, is this a Hollywood moment here? Am I going to make it next time? Um, so yeah, that's really fun to try. So, you know, another thing I'm curious about, because I do yoga pretty much once a week or twice a week max, but for our emotional wellness, how often would you recommend our audience to try practicing yoga? So I always say if someone is starting to start slow, um, I know whenever I try, if, if I stop working out and then I try to go back and I have this expectation of myself that I'm going to go, you know, six days a week and I'm going to do, you know, an hour and a half, then that's discouraging to me. So, uh, you know, maybe two days a week, three days a week, doing every other other day, you know, just starting out slow would be my recommendation. And um, and also, you know, maybe learning a little bit about the different types so that you can um, better understand about what might be a better fit for you because there are things, like you said, like, um, yin yoga, there's restorative yoga, that those things are a lot uh, slower moving. And then there, there are the vinyasa flows where, you know, it's a lot more uh, fast paced. And so, you know, maybe looking into a little bit more about, you know, what different types of yoga there are out there and see if there's one that really resonates with you as a place to start. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think that's a really good point. I actually haven't looked into the different kinds of yoga until I went to um, the yoga studio at my gym because I normally follow yoga with Adrian. That, that's the teacher that I love the most on YouTube. I, I used to follow her all the time during the pandemic, did all the yoga um, practices with her, but I never actually looked into the different kinds of forms of yoga. And so, yeah, it's that's interesting. And then I should 
look into that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think we've covered pretty much everything about this practice. On the topic of yoga, is there anything else you would like to leave us with? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I think the um, only other thing that comes to mind is that, you know, it's something that you can also do in small doses, so to speak. Um, you can even do it seated. Um, so like you had mentioned, you know, doing it in bed, there are people that also do yoga seated. And there's chair yoga. And so there are ways that you can incorporate it into your life without having to uh, get down on the mat. You could be yeah. you know, at work or, or wherever where you're um, just taking a few moments just, just to stretch. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I remember that I saw on um, Yoga with Adrian channel, there was a 10 minute video for people that sit a lot of, like, you know, yoga at the office or something like that. That was so interesting. I think I even got my team to try it at one point a few years ago. Uh, that was actually quite fun. So, yeah, I, um, I think it's a really good place to start. Like if it's kind of a, it, it sounds because a lot of my friends are saying, oh, yoga, like I cannot sit there and just you know, like move around. I cannot meditate or, you know, be still. It might be a good place to, to try, you know, with try with other people and find different ways it can, it can work because there are so many ways to do yoga. So yeah, that's a cool recommendation. Thank you for that. Before we let you go, our last part of the day would be open mic. Um, so as I mentioned to you earlier, this is your opportunity to share anything you are passionate about. It could be about the topic or, you know, if you're interested in something else and you want to share a bit more about the work that you're doing, this is also a great forum for that too. So take it away, Melissa. Okay. So um, the thing that I have been most passionate about lately is um, uh, learning more about brain health and particularly learning about um, uh, caregivers of people with dementia who you know had had challenges as far as uh, cognitive delays and issues around brain health, and um, some of the work that I've been doing has been helping people uh, want to sort of assess the situation when they're in that situation and understand you know what their loved one needs and could possibly need. Um, as time goes on. And this is something um, that is a personal uh, passion because of my experience with my own father. And so I mean, that's something that I'm really developing um, more uh, uh, products as far as like digital products. I'm working on a, a course to help uh, caregivers to be able to help um, their loved ones as they are uh, progressing through uh, different types of dementia. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think it's um, it's always a, a challenge, especially when you you see your loved ones going through you know tough times. Um, but I think equipping ourselves with the knowledge and understanding uh, what they are going through is also you know extremely important and helpful, right? Um, so yeah, I think um, it, it also because I've I've heard from a lot of different people um, that you know, when their loved ones are going through tough things like, you know, for example, dementia, like you just mentioned, uh, Alzheimer's, and, you know, the, what really helped them and what kind of kept them to move forward is to learn more about it, understand it better. And in some situation, in certain scenarios, it kind of gives people a new life purpose uh, because now that they have the knowledge, they want to help others. Um, and I think that's, that's how life unfolds for some of us. And yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, well, so if our audience would like to find out a bit more about your work, because I know you're, you know, pivoting into your own practice now, um, how would they contact you? Probably the best way is on Instagram. And it's, um, I always get this wrong. It's <laughs> drmel.green. Okay. Awesome. Yes. Thank you for that. We'll make sure to link that in the show notes That's as well. Right. So we don't get it wrong and our audience yes. can actually reach you. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I, I had a wonderful time chatting to you about physical activity, um, emotional wellness, and especially about yoga. I'm feeling restored already, but uh, I'll start to I'll start to get out of here and do that uh, 
little challenge you were mentioning earlier. That's, that piqued my interest the most in this conversation, the sit-stand challenge. Yeah, that yes. sounds so fun. You have been listening to Doing Well, the Wellbeing Science Insights podcast produced by the Wellbeing Science Labs, a division of LMSL, the Life Management Science Labs. More episodes are available from 10 life management perspectives and can be found by searching LMSL on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcasting apps available on your devices. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to our channel so that other people can find it and we can continue to provide quality content. More of our work can be found on our website, we.lmsl.net where you can join our movement. I'm Lungo. Thanks for tuning in.